good. Let's uh, stand and prepare our hearts. Lord, we're just grateful that your hand is upon our lives. Lord, you never leave us. You never forsake us, Lord. And it's your desire to take us to where you are, to our understanding, to fulfill your purpose. Father, we pray that through your word tonight, you'll just enlighten us and strengthen us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we'll start with Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. But we're going to go to the Old Testament to put a little skin on what Paul's talking about. Sometimes when you read through such incredible prayers. Paul was an incredible prayer warrior. And um, his ability to communicate the deep things of God, his understanding, his theological understanding of the Old Testament and bringing it to bear upon the New Testament churches. You know, that's why the Lord gave him, you know, 13 or 14 of the epistles to write to the church. And so he's outlined in the first part of the chapter here, God's plan. And it, you know, you read through there and you think of all the the blessings that are upon the church, upon believers, you know, the predestination and being chosen. And so we sort of get caught up in, in, in the who, but it's not really the who that is Paul is talking about in these first 14 verses. It's the what. It's God's plan, and it's awesome. And when you get a big picture of what God is doing, and ultimately what that is is the glorification of man. Now, we think about that in our fallen state. We think, are you serious? <laughs> what is God would do such a thing? But that was his ultimate plan in the very beginning. Man would be tested and tried, but ultimately would enter into a ruling relationship with Yahweh, just like the sons of God, the angels, do and and continue to do. We have a in God's eternal plan a position of ruling and reigning with him. And that's hard to, for us to really grasp, but that's where we're going with this despite the interruption of the fall. And now we live in a cursed body, a cursed world, and a you know nature's cursed, relationships are hard, work is hard, having children is hard. <laughs> Everything is hard. It's just multiplied or brought pain, suffering. But he, Paul is here to say that that doesn't change the plan. Our God can pull it all off, and he's putting it together. And Peter, first chapter, and Peter says, things which the angels desire to look into. They're watching this. They're like, this is, this is outrageous, Lord, what you're doing. These people, how do you keep from killing them? <laughs> you know, not really. I'm just saying it's just an incredible thing. They're They're awed at the grace of God. They never really had a grace illustrated, but it's being illustrated to the angels through our lives. And this is a wonderful thing. So having put all that together in the last couple of weeks, uh, if you want to go back and listen to, you can. He then launches into prayer. Now, a lot of these people in Ephesus, now that was sort of in Asia Minor, that was sort of the hub. That was sort of the Mecca 
of of the churches there. There was a tremendous work, and many other churches were were planted from this work in Ephesus. It is believed that Timothy went on to pastor that church at some point in time, and so Colossae came out from that, and some of the other uh, churches and all. And so Paul, this is probably a circulatory letter that would would have been circulated through the churches and passed around type of thing. And he's now leaving the position and the plan that God has for us, and he he begins to pray. And and as we read through this, you're going to be overwhelmed because it's it's just pregnant with meaning and depth, and we're not going to cover all of it tonight. I'll get to it again next week, but I thought initially... As I read through this, we'll go back to Judges 6 and we'll put some skin on some of these things that uh, Paul talks about. Because I, I love illustrations. All of us need illustrations. We need pictures. If you show me what it looks like, I can get it a lot better than just trying to figure it out. Oh, how does that apply? Well, it's pretty neat when you see it applied to someone's life in a different way. And so let's pick it up here in verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus... And your love for all the saints do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. Prayers. Not just one prayer, but prayers, plural. Prayer is the key that unlocks the door to all things that pertain to God. It is a, not a monologue, but a dialogue that we're to have with our Father in heaven. You can pray to the Father, you can pray to the Holy Spirit, you can pray to the Jesus, they all, they're all one. <laughs> we normally address things to the Father, but it's fine. Lord Jesus, help me. We can, oh, that's what we say all the time, right? God, help me. He gets it. You're, in the right, you're, in the, you're, you're talking to the right person, <laughs> right? That's what matters, the true and living God. But if you want anything from God... A man can receive nothing except it be given from above. And the way things are received from heaven is by asking. And that's simply what is what prayer is. It is simply asking God for whatever you need, whatever you want, whatever you desire. And he's there to have a relationship with. And it it is the who God is. Prayer is reveals to you and to our hearts who he really is. So many people have misconceptions about God. God is not like anything that we have in our mind, can make up in our mind. He, he's incomprehensible. That's what the scriptures teach us. But he, there are hints that sort of blow our minds if we think about certain things, like all knowledge, all power. Well, you know, you know okay, right. What are the, we don't really... You know, we, we really don't understand power until we're in the middle of a hurricane, right? <laughs> Whoa, you know, that sort of drives the point home, like, that's really powerful. So, you know, it, it's just, it is who, the who he is comes through us through prayer. The what God wants to do comes through prayer. And the how his will is to be accomplished comes through prayer. You, you, you are, we are ignorant of all of that unless we learn how to talk with and listen. That's the dialogue. I talk, he listens. I do more talking than I should. I should let him talk more, and I should listen more, right? As the, as the old saying goes, God give you two ears and one mouth, that should tell you something. You should listen twice as much as you talk, <laughs> at least if your math is good. 
but it's also in prayer. It is where to begin. Once we find out where what God wants and what he has in mind, where, like, where do I start? I'm overwhelmed. You know, like, wait, hold on. You know, and I start having those issues, kind of like that bug flying around, you know. We have issues with distractions. <laughs> Missed. <laughs> and the other thing about where's where's God going? Where's you where are we going with this, Lord? You know, those are important things. And so we're gonna pick up a little bit of that. But verse seventeen says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he's put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Incredible language and depth of meaning and purpose here. He he covers the, the whole realm. But tonight I, I want to concentrate on three things. The knowledge, the hope that he mentions here, the riches, and the power. These are the, these are the important things um, that Paul mentions here for us. And let's go back to Judges chapter 6. As I said earlier, I think we could put some flesh on this and... Even though it's an Old Testament story, I think Gideon's life illustrates how God wants us to engage with him. And notice in our, you'll notice in our story here that it's always God, it's always God who takes the initiative in your life. He is the one leading. He's the one who presents things to us. And then he expects us to respond uh, to that what he's initiating. And it's always great when you respond and it just, the, again, it's that dialogue. We're back and forth and it's all, your relationship with God is just that. It's all about a personal relationship. It's all about faith development and growth, spiritual growth uh, in, in our walk with God. And so I love this story and many of you are familiar with it. We, we chuckle a, a lot of what Gideon uh, does but it, he again he we're no different we're sort of made out of the same material if you will verse 11 of chapter 6 in judges now the angel of the lord came and sat under the terebinth tree which is in ophrah uh, which belonged to joash the ebenezerite who the son of gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the midianites the angel of the lord appeared to him and said to him the lord is with you O mighty man of valor and Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? 
But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And so he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Well, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. And so Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from the ephah of flour and the meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought it to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out his, the end of his staff which was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And now Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord. That's good discernment. And the Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. And so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace, Yahweh Shalom. To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Ebenezerites. Now, notice here that there are two personages. I just thought I'd point that out because I talk about this a lot, being the physical manifestation through the angels of the Lord of Yahweh on the Old Testament appearance of Christ, a theophany, if, if you will. But then also there's this voice. And I think we have the voice after the angel Lord ascends in, in the offering, the smoke and all, then we have the voice. So we have two personages here if you're paying attention. I think that's important for us um, to, to point out there. But what <clears throat> we want to see here is we have a situation if you're familiar with A Bug's Life, I don't like to, to use illustrations, but this will drive the point home. This is really what's going on. You guys know the story, right? <laughs> the, the grasshoppers come every fall and rip off the ants of their harvest, you know. And so, you know, we got this coward of a guy that's, you know, beating out the grain in a wine press. Like, I'm really going to, you know, like, nobody's going to catch me here. He's hiding. You know, it tells you he's the, the intimidation level that he's experiencing. You know, first thing I'll say to, about Gideon is the guy is real. I mean, he just, right now, he's, he's, he can tell uh, pretty certain that there's, this is not one of, the, one of his brothers, you know, fellow Israelite, if you will. He knows that he's in the presence of, of a supernatural being. And he is not intimidated. You know, the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. He might have actually stopped at that point and looked behind him. Who's he talking to, you know? I'm hiding. 
Are you serious? I'm a coward. I really don't want to get ripped off right now. So I'm hiding, and you're calling me brave one, you know? (laughs) He must be talking to somebody else, right? You know, a lot of us live in fear. We live in insecurity. We really don't think that that God's plan for us is probably all that incredible or that fantastic. It might be for other people, you know, like the, the, you know, the Billy Grahams of the world. And they, you know, that's incredible. What, you know, to go all over the globe preaching the gospel. My goodness. Wow. But in God's heart, in God's mind, every, everyone's plan <clears throat> is important. Every plan that he's got for each and every individual to image him is critical to the plan, the overall plan. As Francis Schaeffer used to say, God has no little people or small places. Or was it small people and little places? Well, you know, it's one of those. It's both of those. It doesn't matter. You're, you're unique, and nobody else can do your job. Nobody else can image God like you can, and how he needs you to do that and desires of you to, to do that, to reach the people and fulfill the plan that he has. And so... In this case, it was Gideon's purpose was to lead the Israelites and defeat these people that were ripping God's people off. That's what's going on in the world today. How many Christians are being ripped off? How many people are not walking in all that God has for them? They've been lied to, deceived by whoever, whatever, but they're not really enjoying their walk with God. They don't really think God is that uh, interested in them for some reason. And this, nothing could be further from the truth. That's why it's important that as you have a living, abiding relationship with God, that you share it and you, you walk in it and you enjoy it. And so I love this story here because it is uh, the Lord coming and meeting us, Gideon, right where he's at. Right there in his cowardice, right there in his insecurity, right there in his pain and sorrow. You know, he's not living the abundant life right now. He's getting ripped off. His family's getting ripped off. And he's hurting. And so God comes to him. I got the perfect guy for this. Nobody would ever think that this guy from the weakest tribe and the weakest family in Israel, in that tribe could do any good, could possibly make any kind of impact. And that's probably how you view your life. Really? Come on. Well, I'm here to say that's not true. How do you know? You assume that. Do not, you make a mistake if you do. I know the thoughts, says the Lord, that I think towards you. Thoughts of good, not evil to bring you to an expected end. The thoughts that I have towards you are more than the grains of the sands on the seashore. You ever thought about counting that, taking the time just to go to the beach? You know, I just I got nothing to do today. I go down and cut the, <laughs> count the grains of sand. One, two, three, four. Oh, my. <laughs> Burn out. You know, you're done. You can't do it. But that's pretty incredible, isn't it, when you think about it? Was God exaggerating? Was God exaggerating when he said that about the thoughts that he has towards you? I do not think he was. <laughs> That's a pretty scary thought if you think about it. But notice here the, the questions. Why has all this happened to us? How many questions do you answer, ask God? How many times do we say, why God? Why did this have to happen in my life? 
And where are all the miracles? I have been serving you, Lord, since I and I've been faithfully seeking you. And why is this going on? And where are you at? How many Christians even bother to ask the questions? I mean, how how many believers do you know that are even engaged in the fight? That even care enough and have compassion enough upon the church and, and the relationships that go on in the church and in the, the eternal plans of God to even ask the questions. I mean, this exhorts me a lot. I have lots of who and why questions and where. It's re- reliving the history. You know, you think about when you maybe when you first came to the Lord and, and everything was just so fresh and new and the joy I mean you just overflowed with the presence of God. You've had you had these encounters that were like, Whoa, I'll never want to stop this and then somewhere along the way it sort of died down a little bit. And maybe you're at that point in your life right now, it's like, you know, where is this going? What you know, it's the you know, it's kinda like the seeds are planted in the spring, but then there's the long summer of dry, stormy Where's the water? It's just a dry season, but I need to be watered again. You know, maybe you're in that, and you're, it's a time of question and introspection. And that's those are those aren't bad times; they're important times. It was this is introspection. Maybe this is what he's thinking about. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in there beating away at you know trying to get the grain out and and you know feed his family, you know, make a living here, pounding it out for the Lord, you know. And he's thinking, man. Why is all this going on? Why is this happening to me? Where is God at in all this? And you know what? Who shows up? He, the angel of the Lord. Whoa! Didn't know you were paying attention. You know? Do you know that God's listening to your thoughts? He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. And he comes to you. Do you recognize him? Ooh, God help us. And notice a thing here that's so important. God doesn't answer his questions. I like think this is profound. Well, let me tell you again. The reason why you guys are doing this. You know, no explanation. Go. Do something about it. I'm empowering you to do something about it. Make your world a better world. You don't have to live this way. You can live in my will. And you can carry out the plan that I have if you so choose. And this is why, why prayer is so important. The Lord is revealing to him who he is. He's revealing to him what he wants done. He's going to show him how it's to be accomplished. And he's going to show him where to begin. Aren't those the same questions that we have when it goes about finding God's will and walking in it and doing it? We ask all the same questions. Maybe not you know, as consciously of as we should. We, we should be deliberate in these questions. And God will answer. If you continually bring a question to God and you wait for the answer, he will give it to you. May God give us ears to hear. I don't know about you. I want to be where God is going. I want to get there. I want to be there. I don't want to miss it. And if we, as a people, do not learn how to pray and maintain a steady prayer, God's work will not be denied. 
Though I, if I am faithless, he is faithful. He will, he will accomplish his purpose. What happens if I'm not faithful to seek him and, and to pray and to, in, to interact with him? I'll just be the one missing out. God's plan will, will, will come to pass. Jesus is coming back. <laughs> he is going to set up his kingdom. He is going to rule and reign whether I go along with it or not. And, and this is a, a sobering thought. But Notice here uh, this picture that he, he received the knowledge Knowledge of what God wanted him to do. Knowledge of his will. It was the spirit of wisdom, as if you will. It was the spirit of revelation. The Lord was revealing himself to him and his purpose and plans. I think that's a wonderful thing. We can count on the fact that God will reveal the knowledge that we need to move forward. I think we just need to open our hearts and allow our inner man. That's what he's talking about when he says heart. It's not the one that beats. It's the deepest recesses of your being, the core of who you really are. If you will open up and say, here I am, Lord, show me, ye will enlighten. He'll show you the hope of his calling. There'll be this expectation that he's placing before you. And in this case, it was, we're going we're gonna to defeat the Midianites. We're going to get these guys off our back. We're going to live in the prosperity of the promised land that Yahweh intended us to have. That was the hope. There, God is going to be there to bring the victory. And the, the plan and the purpose that God has for us creates this hope. The hope of his calling. It's a wonderful hope to have. And then the knowledge of his riches. You know, Again, he's, the first thing that crosses his mind once he hears go, like, wait, hold on, wait, you're saying, <laughs> you know? he's like, you know, can God be reasoned with, you know, can you actually have this kind of interaction with God where you go back and forth and, and he's telling you, but if I really go, uh, oh, wait, 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 oh, oh. You can, I don't know about you, but I can feel a tension there. He's starting to look within, and he realizes, no way do I have what it's going to take to accomplish this. And I think that's, when we really have an encounter with God, we see who we really are. We see the depth of our depravity, and we're horrified by it. And sometimes we don't we can't even pick ourselves off the floor. It's so devastating that we are that corrupt in our core, that we are truly that fallen. But that's when revival takes place. Because as he said to him later on here, don't be afraid. This is what he said at the end. Peace. Peace. Do not fear. And that's what God says to us when we are humbled by his presence. Don't want you to look at you. This isn't about you really, Gideon. You know, it's about you and that I'm teaching you, I'm revealing myself to you, but the greater plan is that my people, you're not the only one suffering here. The whole nation is suffering. They're being ripped off, and I want it changed. And you're the man that I'm going to use to change it. I don't need you necessarily, but I've chosen to use you 
to bring about my deliverance. And so it, the, the responsibility then hits him. And I think that's what we, we have to go through that trend. Everybody has to go through this, where we stop looking at ourselves and begin to look at him. What, what has he said? Go in this mind of yours, uh, of yours. Have I not sent you? And then verse 16 says, surely I'll be with you. He's like, I'm the weakest. I don't have what it takes, but the Lord, and this is what he's, God's saying to you and to me. I, hey, I'm not asking you to do it by yourself. I'm, I'm going to be with you. And if God is with you, if it, God plus anything is, is, the, is all you need, as long as he's there, you have everything you need. And that's what he's showing him here. You have all the riches. You have all the resources. Instead of asking other questions, how can I just receive the, receive the answer? Because I'm with you. Because I'm with you. But I need confirmation. <laughs> you know, we just go from one thing to the next. You know, it's kind of like Moses. You know, he's got the same similar pattern. It's human nature. It's fallen human nature. I want to deliver my people from the land of Egypt. I think you need to find somebody else. I'm not, I'm not up for it. I'm enjoying taking care of the sheep. Don't do that. <laughs> the Lord doesn't really like that because he, he knows more than we do. Confirmation. I need to know that I found favor in your sight. Just because God, listen to me here now. If God's talking to you and he's speaking to your heart about doing something, that means you've already found favor. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. You received him as your Lord and Savior. You have found favor. That's not going to fly. In other words, don't even go there. Lord, if I found favor in your sight. I want you know, it sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds humble. <laughs> he already found favor because I'm talking to you, son, right? Daughter of mine. <laughs> wait, wait, wait just a minute. Okay. You know, somehow, I've got to get myself oriented here. <laughs> wait. And God says, okay, I'll wait. He's very patient. He's very patient. I am so God, glad that God has been patient with me and all the things that happened in my life and walking with him and teaching me to walk by faith. He is so patient. How many times I've, I've maybe not said these words, but it's like I have to pause for a moment to get a grip so to speak. In this case, it, it is he wants to worship. He realizes that, and this is a Jewish thing, I cannot have an encounter with God unless I know that my sins are forgiven. This is an important thing in the life of a believer because Paul talks about serving, the God, serving God with a pure conscience. And this is the thing that can stumble a lot of us that, you know, well, you know, there's some, there's some, there's some gray areas in my life. There's some, there's some things that are questionable. There's the, and so those things can paralyze us. They can hold us back and God needs to do some purification in our, and, and just accept that the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient for anything that you may have done that is questionable. It's all, you and I are under the blood. It's been applied. But he wants to express this, so he goes and gets 
the offering, the young goat, the, the bread, puts it all together and presents it to the Lord. And we know that it was accepted, right? Because the angel touches this with the staff and you know ascends in its odor to heaven. Beautiful. This is what worship is all about. And this is this is what we're talking about. Once our atonement is made, and never forget this, it's always worship before service. And as a matter, God is not so concerned about what we're going to do because He's actually the one going to do it. He, it's about what we're becoming, and worship is about us becoming Godlike and becoming Christlike. This is where the transformation takes place in our souls. That we are before God and we worship Him. Gideon knew that instinctively. I must come to God with, aton- with an atoning sacrifice and I must worship at His feet. Because God is worthy. This is such an important part. We don't render just lip service to God. It is from our hearts. And this is important. I, I find verse 22 incredible to me. Now, it, Gideon perceived that that was the angel of the Lord. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Just maybe? And remember, the angel of the Lord was that guy that would show up in camp every now and then. He showed up back in chapter 2, and he came to Bochum in the place of tears. I'm out of here. You guys are disobeying. You guys are on your own. You're rebellious. You could do this. But you're on your own. I'm leaving. The appearances sort of became less and less. But he got so, God's heart was so broken that throughout, he raised up 12 judges through this period of time, one from each tribe. And he said, I, 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 I can't just forsake them. And this is how God feels about the church today. There are a lot of people that come in my name and it'll deceive many. There are many people in the church that come and think, say they're Christians, but are they? They're, you know, Jesus said we, it would be the wheat mixed with the tares. That's why it's important for you to have a deep, personal, abiding relationship so that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name and, and deceive many. A lot of deception in the church today. How do we know we're really on the right path? Are you in his word? He honors his word above his name. You know, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible. But it is the living word. He honors it. He, he put down here all that we need to live godly and in the fear of God for us. It's all it's sufficient. Is it everything? Probably not. We've got eternity with God. There will be a lot of things revealed to us. But it's sufficient for this side of heaven. And we need to, to, to abide by it and to be in it. And I'll end with kind of this here. As the Lord says to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. You're not going to die doing God's will. What you are going to experience is death to self. You're going to die a million times between now and heaven. You're going to die to self. You're going to die to the old nature. And this is this is the death, but you're not going to you're not going to fall short of what God's called you to do. And this is a wonderful promise that we have. Peace. 
Do you have shalom? Do you have God's peace that's ruling your heart? It should. God is with you. And, and, and notice here, this is the first thing that he asked him to do. And this is uh, important. Go to your dad's house and destroy the idols. If you and I are going to accomplish the plans and purposes that God has ordained for our lives is because we have destroyed idols in our life. We are not putting evil things before our eyes, evil things we will refuse to listen to. We can't help but being exposed to certain things. It's going to happen, but we we don't dwell on it and we don't fall into it. We learn to just avoid defiling ourselves. And this is, this is important. Deal, before, before I'm sending you on this mission, just so you know, this is the problem. You want to know why? And it's sort of an indirect answer here. You want to know why the many nights are ripping you off? And why, why you're not living the abundant life and enjoying the promised land and the milk and honey and all that's been promised? Is because you've allowed idols to come into your life and you're putting things, creating things above your relationship with me and I will not have it. And that's how much God loves us. The Bible tells us he's a jealous God. And those are strong words for us to hear. May God help us. And lastly, think about everything in our life almost, that God does always starts out small. It, it, you know, you, you don't, you know, you're not leaping over t- tall buildings right from the start. You know, we're not supermen or women. Notice even even Christ in his life exemplified this. He he came from the shoot, the root of Jesse. You know, from the small to the and insignificant to the large and everywhere. He started out as a, a little shoot, a baby, a stem, and then a branch. And that's the way God's work. It, it starts out small and insignificant, but when it begins to move, hang on for the ride because you're not going to be able to hold on unless you have a hold of him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you've promised to us spiritually, Lord. We are so rich. We are so absolutely rich. Help us to live in that wealth and not be beggars, spiritually speaking, Lord. Not be full of self-pity, looking at ourselves as we really are, just weak and beggarly. We want to live in the power. We want to live in the presence of our God. And we want to be obedient to you, Lord. And so... As we pray tonight for one another and as we pray for our fellowship here and the needs that we have, Lord, come to us and lead us in our prayer and inspire us in our walks, Lord. And give us, truly, Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. We thank you for the picture of revival that took place in Gideon's heart. And we pray that that same revival would take place in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.